Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show, your guide to better cricket. Whether you're a coach or whether you're a player, we are going to help you out. We're going to answer a few questions. We're going to have a few discussions and hopefully you're going to get some good ideas and some things to take away for your next session and sessions going into the future. My name is David Hinchliffe. I look after things and joining me to help you out are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the director of cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garris. How's it going? Yeah, it was all right, actually, until break time where uh, I got mistaken for somebody who's a retired teacher. So that, that's not not so good. Uh, you know, so obviously age is catching up with me a bit quicker than uh, than I first thought. So yeah, slightly slight downside uh, to to life at that stage. I was in the gym, so obviously I was also moving like a seventy year old as well as uh, <laughs> as well as worse. looking at one. But apart from that, I'm all right. Thanks very much for asking. Okay, well we'll we'll swiftly move along and we'll. <laughs> That laughter that you hear is uh, from the head of cricket performance at Portsmouth Grammar School. It's Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. Uh, been mistaken for anyone recently? I haven't, unfortunately, but I do like that. I mean, G- Garras, I'd, I'd, I'd like to know who actually said that to you, Garras, because they are a disgrace. Well, <laughs> the person who told me it thought it was quite funny because she knows me. The person that relayed the information to her didn't know me, and she th- she thought it was worth passing on to me as a bit of a joke, which uh, <laughs> which I have to say I did appreciate. I thought it was quite cool, but it you know it's made me think about what I need to do in the gym uh, in front of this said person the next time I'm in there. I'll probably uh, up the ante and snap in half or something. I should imagine. That's right. Yeah, start lifting up massive weights. So I can do this. Yeah, bang. <laughs> Goodbye, Out for six months. <laughs> Let's get on to cricket matters. And um, I've been um, looking at planning over the uh, over the, the snow period here in, in in Scotland, where it's just you know you've not been able to leave the house virtually. And um, so I've been taking the opportunity to to plan some things for the summer, and to come up with a few different ideas and a few different ways of doing things to work out how we're going to train and how we're going to work with the guys who are club cricketers and, you know, that's not necessarily um, you're in complete control of when they're going to turn up and how often they're going to play and all the rest of it. So it's um, it's been a challenge for me to try and factor all that in without getting too in-depth. You need flexibility, uh, but you also need to know what you're going for. So I wanted to get um, your guys' views on it as well. I mean, um, specifically kind of what the process is when it comes to, to planning things out and how much detail you uh, you get into beforehand and then how you go about delivering that when, when you are, uh, when you have got the, the grand plan. So where, where do you start basically when you, you're right, I need to plan the next few months ahead here. Where do you start? Well, I wouldn't call myself a most detailed planner in terms of writing stuff down. Um, So the way that I would start is I'd look at my fixture list and I'd I'd have a look at what sessions I could fit around my uh, fixture list and then start projecting what the level of intensity needs to be at those um, those sessions as well. And and just by looking at your fixtures and looking at your your training sort of pans out in a in a diary I do it on a spreadsheet actually so I've got all the dates down the left hand side got the fixtures in and then I start plotting through my my training sessions it sort of starts to build a bit of a shape in my head um, around how things uh, things could look but in my way of looking at life which is to sort of keep things open I suppose I'd like to have an outline plan 
but then react to the needs of the game uh, and the games that we play or react to the needs of uh, a specific that we're going into. You know, if we know that the, the pitches are, are nipping around, then we could do something on that. If we know we're coming into a phase of T20 cricket where we're going to play four spinners in our home games, then we can look at playing on wickets that are going to grip a bit more. And, and that includes getting the batters into that mode. So I can sort of start plotting my way through it. But I, I don't want it to be so hard and fast that I can't uh, veer off. And that's my personal style. You know, that's not going to be for everybody I've worked with and alongside coaches that would be much more hard and fast than that and be incredibly incredibly successful as well but that's the way that I go about really and, and and I'm always trying to be proactive and think ahead but equally I'm I'm reactive to some of the themes that generally comes out of games of cricket you know a game of cricket for me is, is a story isn't it and if we extract the most common stories or the biggest impact uh, from that story that we can have then that can obviously then be plotted into our next few training sessions to see if we can get a more advantageous result or even to cement the great stuff that we've been doing so we can continue on our merry way you know but uh, every game of cricket is a story for me that I can then adapt into my training sessions Um, but starting point is always matches then I can plot my my sessions and just by having that visually up and again I'm talking from my own frame of reference here this isn't going to be for everybody if I can see that I can start to plot my way through it but equally let's leave it a little bit open so I can I can uh, react to the story of the games as we go through them I do something similar I have a you know have a list of the fixtures and and a list of when the training dates are are likely to be Uh, and then I have a little bit more of um, try try and build in flexibility because there are times when uh, especially in club cricket you can put on a training session but doesn't necessarily mean someone's going to turn up to it (laughs) so so to, to adjust to the demand, I suppose, is, is another factor that you have to think about. So we, we do change the number of training sessions that we put on over the course of the summer, certainly uh, at west of Scotland, because it's, um, you know, at the start of the season, there's a lot more keenness for people to train than, you know, in the, by the time you get to the middle of August. So uh, we were sort of flexible with the amount of training sessions and, and who we can get to come along and all that kind of thing. But but generally, I've got I, I try and build that flexibility in as well, because there are a lot of things. What ifs, aren't there? You know, what if it's raining? What if, you know, availability isn't very good? What if people are... Um, it, what it, well what if we do well in cup competitions because suddenly you've got a whole uh, a, a bigger raft of games because you know we happen to be in five competitions right so you know if you're in five competitions and you do well in five competitions that's a heck of a lot more games than if you're in five competitions and, and you go out with three cups in the first round so there's a lot of what if so you can't plan in too much detail it's certainly in in the um in the club game I think there's just too many variables so you've got to you've just got to say to yourself well broadly here's what we're doing and then um, you know if it's raining then perhaps we'll do this instead and uh, you know if we do happen to get through to the final of this cup then uh, we'll, we'll see how we go you know we might call off a training session here because we're playing a game there or something like that so you know a lot more flexibility what about you Lavers uh, I guess you have uh, it's a little bit more control you've got I suppose in that you know with, with school cricket particularly there's a bit more sort of you know, people are come. People are going to come to training sessions uh, in in a bit more um, of an organised way than in club cricket, where people rock up when they feel like it. You you would like to think so, but there are a lot of other variables involved. So there are obviously there's the big exams the and things, big yeah. exam period yeah. going on where 
Um, we, I, I like to sort of treat individual on a, on their own merits really. So where where individuals need more time off, they'll then they'll be given it, and where where others are confident in what they're doing, they'll be at training. Then there are other things going on. There's drama. There's music. There's lots of kids involved in different things at school, and they all like to think probably in the same way that that we would that that it's a it's a big priority that the the particular pupil is involved in that in that thing so we're always managing balance between various things going on um when people are are available then then you generally get them and the, the benefit i suppose of a school environment particularly towards the top end is you do get a little bit of notice if you're not going to have someone for something so um generally they get into the habit from a fairly young age of knowing that if they've got something that clashes with something else then then there's a bit of communication that needs to take care, uh, take place there so we've got a pretty good idea and you have a little bit of, of notice rather than just having a session and and uh, right and so you, you expected the sort of first team squad of 14 15 16 and, and actually left with seven seven that doesn't happen too often so we do have a bit of control but that that what li- what if list is kind of the the big thing that i would do and, and rather than trying to drop everything into something into every session and say this session's going to be uh one thing and this session's going to be another thing I, i'm what I, what I like to do is have a, a list of different situations that might be going on and have a session that ties in with that um that we can use um or have a theme for a session that we can use and um and then when we're in that situation we can go and use one of the the list of different options for a session we've got for that um, environment, like as Gareth suggested there, if you're gonna, if you know you're gonna have um, an environment or a match coming up or an important game coming that's, that's spin heavy or is going to be against someone who's particularly quick or is going to be against whoever it might be, then then you've got a session ready in mind and you can try and give people a little bit of exposure to that prior to them arriving in that situation. And I genuinely think that apart from the the first couple of weeks where I've got a pretty clear outline of what's going on. After that, there are so many different things going on with cup competitions, with exams, with people on away days at universities and things like that, that everything is a little bit more reactive. But I've already made my, my what-if list, as, as, as it were. So I've got a good idea of um, how I'm going to react when different things happen. And, and that kind of comes with being in the in the role or in the in the position for a number of periods of time you, you get a good feel for the things that will happen what's likely to be, go right what's likely to go wrong and you can um, react appropriately I guess the um, if you if you put the if you look take the other view of saying okay well we need to plan in a lot more detail than that we need to sort of you know know exactly what we're doing when we're doing it um I guess the argument there is that you know to be a bit of more of a devil's advocate on it. I guess the argument there is how can you plan in sort of any kind of periodization or long-term athlete development, those kind of things, those things that uh, uh, require a, a joined-up approach um, between sessions and and over the course of a year or several years. How do you you know how do you manage that unless you plan in some detail? So I suppose then the question back back then is how do you factor that kind of thing in does that is that a thing where you sometimes you have to say well you know we can't do as much as we want to with some players because we just don't know where they're going to be week to week or uh, do you sort of push it a bit more for the guys who you think need pushing it a bit more I think in terms of the long-term athlete development stuff the people that generally do that well are uh, guys that are involved in integrated environments aren't they because 
Um, from our perspective, we've got a, a, an institute of sport here that keep a real close eye on where people are in their growth spurts, for example. And then as soon as we get the indicators that somebody's going through the growth spurts, we make the adaptations into into their program. So that's, a, that's more of an awareness for us. And then we know what we're going to do if somebody is starting to, uh, their limb lengths are starting to change rapidly. Uh, they're starting to shoot through the roof. Their coordination is likely to be affected. So we know what to do. So I suppose the planning comes in the what ifs because you know that's going to happen on most people's journey I can't say it ever happened to me but on most people's <laughs> journey in adolescence they have a growth spurt or two normally and uh, so we know that's going to happen and we've got that planned out and that is quite scientific that is um, uh, pretty hard and fast so when that pops in because we don't never know when it's going to happen when peak height velocity is going to kick off we don't quite know when that's going to happen but when we we uh, measure it and we see it then we act quickly so yeah i think having those sorts of things in play are, are, are pretty important but also going back to sam's point around the spinning wickets it, you know if i'm playing if i'm coaching a county side now in terms of my periodization, I look at when I go to play at Taunton, and Taunton has spun square for the last three years, and therefore my training program leading up to it, or my conversations that I'm going to be having with people, or the uh, the YouTube clips that I'm going to be chucking out to people in preparation for that game might start two or three weeks ahead, even whilst we're playing in other matches, just to sow those seeds, just to get people switched on towards it. So I suppose that is periodized. But my preference is not to write that down. Other people would write that down and have it on a on a big sort of uh, spreadsheet or whatever the case may be. That's fantastic. But if you know that you're going to Taunton or you know that you're playing in Mumbai or you know that you're going to be doing this, that and the other, then you can you can factor that in. And that is more periodized, I suppose. Um, uh, but yeah, long-term athlete development, we know exactly as soon as somebody goes into these margins and we know what we're going to do to be able to deal with that. But we're lucky because we've got that um, that system around us. For a coach that's at, at home, you know, as long as you've got an awareness that when somebody starts to bowl it into the side net and they haven't done it before, there's probably a good reason for it, then um, then you, you can act accordingly and, and don't put them under any pressure. And, you know, and, and maybe let's have a look at some other aspects of, of, uh, of their game, a tactical understanding. It might be that you can do a little bit of um, aerobic work within that session rather than expecting them to be able to catch every ball consistently because they haven't quite got a clue where the middle of their hand is because two days ago it was somewhere completely different. Um, so, you know, just have the awareness, I, I would say, for most people that are listening uh, to this show. And if you're in a position like myself and maybe Sam's in with having support staff around, around them, utilise that support staff to best support the person that you're working with. Yeah, yeah. And I guess if you can, you know, if you can, you can see a, a growth spurt is quite a simple thing to see really isn't it you know someone's you know you don't see someone for two weeks and then suddenly they're um, they're looking down on you <laughs> you know you're thinking well hang on a minute i think you might i think you might be having a growth spurt here so uh, you don't need the science always do you yeah definitely but also if you you don't you don't but a good way of noticing a growth spurt is to do catching with them Right, so if you've got somebody who's normally a pretty competent catcher, catcher and all of a sudden they're getting hit, hit on parts of their hands differently or they're dropping more balls than they normally do, a lot more balls than they normally do, that's also an indicator that they might not be 
they might not have grown a foot or three inches or whatever and you might not be looking at them differently when you have a conversation but they might just be going into that so catching is a really good indicator because um you know we're often operating in a distal fashion aren't we you know with our hands being away from our body well if you if your coordination has been affected by your limb length uh, at that stage and that's going to be a great indicator so i'd always get them to do you know under 14 under 15 under 16 when that growth spurt is generally happening i get them to do you know 30 catches back and forward between the two of them. and even the most simple task becomes quite difficult and that gives me enough uh, an indicator that there might be something beginning to happen there in terms of their growth uh, and then i can start to assess it in different ways and, and put some programs around that person to best support them through their through their growth spurt so many cricketers i think have been judged through their growth spurt and I, and that's a real tough thing to do isn't it you know when somebody isn't as coordinated as they normally are and judgments are being made on whether this kid's got a chance or should be in the 11 or whatever i think we need to be a little bit more rounded on that i think that's probably improved if you think back to when collectively we were all a lot younger and your kind of the, the process of how you were selected to, for things would, would often come down to a single afternoons or a single 20-30 minutes batting when you were a 15-16 year old and, and everyone's in a completely different frame of physical stage of physicality at that stage and, and obviously now with the ability to keep up to speed with things to communicate a lot, more, a lot better and a lot more fluently we should be able to manage that a lot better but in the past you could see why that happened so often and so many people didn't get the opportunities at the at the times they could have done just because of the stage of development they were at the other thing i like to do when i when i'm working with senior club players um, and knowing that availability is going to be uh, variable for those guys and and i know who the what the ones are are going to have more difficulty getting to training than others is to know when those kids like you were saying about the the uh, if you go into Taunton and you know it's going to spin, working on spin. Well, similar kind of thing. If there's key moments in the season when I think it will be a good time to be able to do something, if everything comes together, then give the, give those guys who struggle a little bit plenty of chance to to get there. Say, look, you know, are, are we going to have a, a special session this, you know, in, in three Tuesdays time? Are you going to be able to make it? Can you, you know, can you sort of do a bit more than you normally do to try and get down here? And and that kind of making it a focus session, if you like. And so, you know, you don't want to have too many of those because otherwise it loses its impact. But saying to guys, you know, really come down because we really need you down for this session because you know we're going to be working on something that that is going to be really helpful for you and helpful for other guys as well. Can you get down? So it, that is useful as well. Identifying when those sessions are likely to be um and, and what is the most useful thing you can do in them and then working to sort of just you know have those relationships with those guys where you can just go come on mate you know if you can't make it down to any others this month just make it down to this one we and that'll really help me out and that that's powerful as well because that's kind of like you know the the if, if they trust if the players trust you then you know they will do a lot more to try and get there than if you just put on a session and say make it if you can Let's move on now. Uh, we are going to have a question which is sent in by a listener. Normally that's a couple of questions, but this week it's only one. Uh, so we're going to get straight into it. And um, if you want to send in questions for future shows, by the way, you can do that. It's coach at pitchvision.com to, to email us with those, or you can use social media to get your question over to us. 
Uh, but the question this week is from Adam. And Adam says, I run senior training at my club. We play a high standard and most of our first 11 have played some level of representative cricket or even first class. We have a new player who's 25 years old and he's never played cricket before. He's keen and I've been trying to get him involved as best I can with plenty of fielding drills. I know that cricket is a very difficult game to get into as an adult. So do you have any suggestions about what I might do with regards to this player? I'm not used to coaching complete beginners and he's not from a sporting background and he doesn't appear to have much natural ability. How can I help him? What a brilliant question. I mean, this is proper coaching, isn't it? It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and it, it reminds me uh, of, of my Thursday afternoon. So Thursday afternoon, we have the Year 9 cricket programme. It has all of our best players in Year 9, but equally it has some people who have never seen cricket before. So, you know, as with a lot of the independent schools, we've got, a, we've got uh, quite an international spread amongst us. So um, to be teaching uh, some kids that have come out of Russia and China and various places that wouldn't have had exposure to cricket is actually one of, one of my highlights uh, of the week. And, and I suppose really it's about turning it on its head. Um, so what what would you want if you didn't know anything about the game or you you like to play the game but you don't have an, a great deal of experience uh, in it then what are the things that you you need to do well firstly you need to have fun don't you i mean that's a, that's the a crucial bit and you need to learn some skills and feel that you're getting some early wins on skills so sort of going back to what we were talking about earlier catching and fielding for me are the starting point for that because if i can field even if i can't play you know, I don't have a technical game. If I can run around the field, if I can learn how to stop a ball, if I can learn how to throw a ball and I can learn how to catch a ball, then that gives me a chance of being selected in a game. Uh, and by being selected in a game, I will be in a position to learn from the people that are around me by watching them. I'll be exposed to the game a little bit more and I can contribute. So that would always be my starting point. Um, uh, to get make sure that people can catch, stop, and throw, um, and you know, take it back to how we learned when we were kids. You know, use softer balls and not necessarily put people off with a, uh, a a cricket ball. Maybe use an incredible when they've got a bit of competency of catching a tennis ball or or whatever the case may be. It was interesting this week, ironically, talking about somebody who's starting the game, talking about people that have been playing it for years. Paul Collingwood doing a fielding session where he was using a combination of incredibles and um, and cricket balls. So uh, even at the top level, they're using incredibles to try and increase the volume, I suppose. With about um, uh, the uh, added sort of uh, impact of a, a normal weight cricket ball. So if we're doing it for the likes of Sam Billings and Alex Hales and Joe Root, then we could probably be doing that for our uh, guys that have just started the game even later in life. So fielding's a starting point for me. It's the most fun bit as well, because that's when you feel that you are a part of a team. So that would be the starting point. My next bit would be about batting. So firstly, make sure somebody has got an idea how to stand and be able to swing a bat because if you can swing a bat and you can put bat on ball then you're going to have have some success um, uh, and and really go about it in a, in a very basic way but the second thing I would say is that I don't think you necessarily need to be doing all of the teaching 
because you've got a huge array of players from guys that are representative players all the way through to people that play sort of second team, third team cricket at your club. Uh, pick out some really good role models, maybe at different levels, who could give five or ten minutes every now and again at practice to, to work alongside this person and give their experience of a game um, and their how they grew up in the game to this person that's come to the game late. So it's not just the onus isn't just on you as a coach, but also you can spread that load uh, around others. And it's amazing how quickly other players get on side with that once you give them that opportunity as well so fielding first then the batting but involve others would be my three strap lines yeah i guess the the big challenge um uh, as well as helping as well as helping that player is making sure that the other players don't feel like that player is getting in the way <laughs> because it's very easy for um better players to think oh well this guy's just wasting our time here you know we we can't run a drill properly because he keeps getting it wrong and we can't we can't bowl to him because we might miss everyone and he can't bowl to us because we might end up bowling it into the side netting every time. So to get the buy-in of the other players to say, look, this 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 guy is part of the club. He's an important part of the club. He's, he, he, he's keen and he's doing something which is extremely difficult, which is going outside of his comfort zone and trying to compete with people who are much better than him. Um, because they've got the skills and the experience. So um, how do you integrate that person into the club effectively without getting those other guys thinking, oh, well, this is just, you know, this is just annoying to me. So getting that buy-in, I think, Lavers, is, is a crucial part of it, isn't it? Yeah, uh, in, engaging those other people and make sure that they're aware that your where your priority lies and your priority is still going to lie with the team or the club as a whole and you're not going to go off and spend more time with one person because it's perceived that he is weaker and needs more attention um, it doesn't mean he needs your attention he probably just needs a bit more exposure really so um, if you can do a little bit of planning away from the session and once you've once you've thought about what kind of involvement he could have you could put together a bit of a program for him that he can be doing a few things, which means when it comes to the session, your time is committed to where you want it to be. So I would think just structuring some opportunities, as you said, some key key people in the group can be um, taken away for a little bit of catching, for maybe some throwdowns, for hitting some tennis balls, um, and probably set something up that you're going to let run for three or four weeks. So he's got a bit of exposure to a few elements of the game and and you might have a bowler or a couple of bowlers are going to help him with a bit of that a couple of batters can help him with hitting some balls and someone else is going to help him with a bit of catching or a bit of throwing or whatever but um, if it's only taking little chunks out of people's time and it's not taking out too much time away from you in session then I think the involvement for everyone else will be quite good and generally at a cricket club I would have thought that there's going to be someone there who's looking for a bit of a um future in coaching or potentially getting towards a stage where they either want to do it as a as a career or, or maybe they're thinking of getting towards the end of their playing career and they'd like to retain some involvement through coaching as well so passing them on to someone like that or giving part of their their kind of time to someone like that so they can have a bit of leadership over something within a session um, I'm sure would be really rewarding for um for someone within the group but um, yeah, definitely make sure it doesn't become the prime focus because there are I'm sure bigger and more sort of time effective ways you can be spending your time in session but it just takes a bit of planning away from your session to make sure you're um, 
you're uh, all set up and he's got an opportunity to get to know the game and, and hopefully fall in, fall in love with it and, and play for the next 10, 15, 20 years. It's good to know, for everybody to know, that it's as what he's trying to achieve as well. You know, his goal may be, you know, as simple as, you know, I want to feel, want to feel ready to play a game of, you know, a 40 over game of cricket on a Sunday or, you know, a 20 over game a midweek or something like that. Um, and then when I do, I, you know, I'm not going to make a fool of myself. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe the goal is simple that to start with. And if everybody knows that that's what that player is trying to achieve, then you can all, they, they can all say, well, come on, let's help him do that. Let's, let's, let's get him there. And then that person becomes part of uh, the, the team goals and the club's goals just as much as, oh, you know, we want our first 11 to win the league this year and, you know, do well in the cup and all that kind of thing. It's just another one of the things on the list of what do we want to achieve this year. So, you know, helping someone go from zero to, you know, scoring twenty in a in a third eleven match is uh, it is something that can give you a, a great deal of satisfaction and you know maybe almost as much satisfaction as you know winning a, a first eleven game on a Saturday. So you know that that would be. Uh, that would be another thing to do as well. Sort of get everyone to say, you know, this is what he's this is what he's trying to achieve, and we're going to help. We're all going to help him get there, one way or another. We're all going to help him get there, and and he's going to help us um, get a little bit get a little bit better as well, and 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 bond together a little bit well as well. So, I think that if you approach it with the right attitude and the right mindset, and saying, oh, this guy's just a bother. Let's just see if we can get rid of him. Um, you know that's not going to help anyone. But if you approach it with a with a, a positive outlook, I think that gives everybody a good chance of doing better in, in wherever they are. You'd imagine he'll always be able to give something back, though. And if you can teach him how to throw, then suddenly you've got a great training partner for throwdowns. If you can teach him how to um, how to nick a ball, but you've got someone who can be part of a fielding group, someone who can hit a ball up in the air. You've got somebody. So as a lot of his time, he'll be wanting to improve, but. A bit of conversation with him and say, look, you, if you, if these people are going to bit of, commit a bit of time to you, see what you can offer to them in return, and the more he can help the players, the more they're going to help him. Yeah, uh, and not just cricket as well. You know, he'll have skill. He'll have skills of some kind. So, you know, how yeah, can we he might use be an accountant? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what what if he is? Uh, he'd absolutely love to do the club uh, accounts, and uh, you know, your your treasure is just is just tearing his hair out because he doesn't know what he's doing properly. Well, <laughs> there you go, problem solved. So yeah, don't just think yeah. cricket wise. What what roofer, kitchen fitter, electrician, yeah. whatever he is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Be nice to him. Make sure he likes it. Okay, that's all we've got time for on the show this week. Uh, we're going to head off. Uh, normally, at this stage, we decide on a winner of a uh, of the um, competition, of course, which we have the two questions every week. We've only got one this week, so uh, perhaps Adam could give his prize to uh, the new chap, so he can uh, he can get some coaching, some online coaching from somebody. What do you think, Garris? I think that's a great idea. I like that. I wouldn't have thought that myself. So well done, David. You should get a prize for that. That's a top idea. Brilliant. I shall allocate a, a prize to myself immediately after the show. <laughs> and uh, Gareth, if uh, there are other people listening who wanted to get in touch and uh, have their question answered, how could they reach us? They could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. That's correct. There's other ways of getting in touch with us as well. You can go to pitchvision.com and uh, contact us through the messaging system there with Pitch Vision Academy on there. Or you can get us on Facebook, facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy or Twitter at pitchvisionacad. Uh, 
You can listen to the show every week by subscribing. Search for Pitch Vision Academy in your favorite podcast app and we'll come up there. Just tap on subscribe or head over to pitchvision.com slash academy and click on the podcast link to stream the show, download it, get all the old show notes. That's all for this week. We hope you listen next week, but until then, have a good week. Cheers, Garris. Cheers, Lavers. Cheers, fellas.